Well, good morning. Glad you guys are here this morning. Glad you guys are joining us online. Uh, uh, wherever you're joining us from, I'm glad you guys joined us. We're continuing our series through uh, some of the carols that we're calling Christmas Playlist. And um, so just glad you guys are joining us. I saw uh, Jesse and Tana. Uh, glad to see you guys on. Uh, Jesse and Tana, for those of you who don't know, they just actually had their Rooted celebration this last week. We got to go. We do this thing called Rooted. If you haven't done it, you should do it. But we just had our rooted celebrations last week. It was different. It was COVID style, but it was it was great. Uh, I saw Jill. Uh, glad you join us, Jack and and Tim. Uh, there, I, I don't know if you guys call yourself Southern Oregon. They're down south, but I'm glad you guys are joining us. Uh, Lori and Dave. Lori and Dave are our neighbors. And just in case you're curious, uh, our neighborhood uh, has more Christmas spirit than your neighborhood does. Just. I just want that to be known. Uh, Wildman, Sharon, a bunch of people are joining us. Glad you guys are joining us this morning. Uh, hey, before we get going into our series today, I want to touch bases with you about Xmas at MCC. Uh, I'm sure you've heard at this point, but Xmas at MCC is December 23rd and 24th. If you don't know anything about it or why we call it Xmas at MCC, if this is your first year being around here on a Christmas season, uh, you should definitely go to xmasatmcc.com and read about why we call it Xmas at MCC. Um, but it's going to be December 23rd and 24th in person. So on Wednesday the 23rd, we're going to have a service at 5 and 7. And you can go to mymcc.cc slash RSVP to sign up. And then on the 24th, we're going to have services at 3, 5, and 7. And then if you're not comfortable or not available to be in person, we're going to have... Um, live stream, our live stream like we're doing right now. We're going to have our live stream uh, on December 24th at 7 p.m. You can join us for the last service uh, of Xmas at MCC for the season. And if you know anything about Xmas at MCC, okay, every year, uh, Xmas at MCC is about one of the most ridiculous things that we do. We, we, we believe that the people of God should be the most reckless in our celebration of what Christmas is about. And so we, we go at it. And uh, COVID is not going to stop that this year. And so I hope that you'll plan on joining us, whether in person or online. And also, if you're going to RSVP, this is a little bit of a tangent, but if you're going to RSVP for Xmas and MCC to come in person, the easiest way to do it is to just go to the app store and download the church center app. Um, it makes it super easy. Or if you're going to watch online, you got the app, you click on it, it pops up right there. You don't have to remember, like, am I supposed to go to mymc.streaming? Am I going to mymc.com? Am I going to xmas.mcc, mymcc.cc slash info? Like, you don't have to remember any of those. You just, you get the church center app and it's all right there, and you're ready to rock and roll. It's going to be awesome. You should plan to join us, whether in person or online. Uh, so we are continuing our series. Uh, we're calling uh, Christmas Playlist. I think a good subtitle could be Christmas Playlist, Sean Ruins All the Christmas Carols. And so this week, we're going to ruin Away in a Manger. Uh, everybody excited for that? Yeah! Yeah, so <laughs> week one, we talked about O Holy Night, and we talked about in, in the song O Holy Night, there's this one line where it says, uh, the thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. And we talked about what it looks like in the midst of a weary world for us to be a people who have hope to rejoice. Last week, we talked about O Come All Ye Faithful, 
And we talked about, um, there's eight verses in O Come All You Faithful. Seven of them are great. One of them, the Bible has a big problem with. Because O Come All You Faithful, the whole song is an invitation to come to Jesus. And the first line, you know it, right? O Come All You Faithful, joyful and triumphant. The problem is, is that that's not the invitation of Scripture, the invitation of Scripture is not for the um, uh, faithful, the joyful, and the triumphant to come to Jesus, but our invitation is to come to the one who is faithful, joyful, and triumphant in all things. That the invitation of the people who are invited to come are the broken and the weary and the destitute, are us to come. That that's the good news of the gospel. And so this week, we're going to talk about a way in a manger. Now, now, here's the deal about Away in a Manger. It's a great song. Like, it's a fine song, wonderful song. I love singing the song. My son loves singing the song. He, he sings it wonderfully, beautifully. It's a great song. Um, uh, it, it's it's um, about as far away from being biblically accurate as you could come up with a Christmas carol, right? Um, it's probably, well, my manger scene at our house is probably slightly more accurate. Uh, he, here's a picture of it. We've been doing an advent calendar deal thing where you open it up, and each time you open it up, there's a little uh, object, right? And so we're not all the way there, which is why Jesus isn't there, okay? Don't panic. You're like, I don't know what kind of manger scene this church has, but Jesus isn't there. Uh, Joseph is. Apparently, Joseph was not important enough that we opened Joseph on day seven, um, but everybody else is still. So, we, so I mean, you look at our manger scene, you know, we, we got some shepherds, like, that's good. We got this stuff. Uh, these sticks, I don't know what those are. We have a black stallion in the back because apparently they had him in Israel. And then somebody's dog, like <laughs> I, don't, I don't know whose dog that was. And then uh, some of you are gonna notice there's something right in the middle here that's very culturally inappropriate. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but this is like the symbol of everything not Jewish. A pig. Like, it was the symbol of all things wicked. There's a story where Jesus cast demons into a bunch of pigs. The reason is, is because Jews would have thought demons and pigs would, like, go side. Some of you think the same thing about cats, right? That cats and demons go side and side, right? Like, that's, some of you are cat people, and you got real hurt there. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. There won't be any cats in heaven. Have you seen the movie? All dogs go to heaven, not all cats. Anyways, um, <laughs> um, so uh, no, is, is the, the song away, and, and it's probably appropriate that the song away in the manger is not very biblically accurate. It, the first time it appeared was in a book called Luther's Cradle Hymns. It, it's a song that we sing to kids, right? And so we make it beautiful and fanciful and nice and fun and lighthearted, and so we sing this really nice song to sing kids to sleep. But there's this line in it that I love that is super profound and weighty if we take a moment to take it seriously. And that line is this, is the little Lord Jesus. The little Lord Jesus. Six pounds, eight ounce baby Jesus, right? You see, the problem for many of us, though, is as beautiful and cute and adorable as the little Lord Jesus is, the little Lord Jesus grows up to become the man Lord Jesus who becomes the King of kings and the Lord 
of lords. And so the question I want to ask today is what does it mean for us that Jesus is Lord? It's, 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 it's attributed to Jesus in the New Testament, which if you take your Bible and it's split into two sections, the Old Testament, which is kind of the story of creation in Israel all the way up to Jesus, and then the New Testament starts with the book of Matthew. And if you put your finger where the book of Matthew is, like 75 or 80% of the book is the Old Testament, right? So in just that little section that's Jesus and then the epistles and Jesus and after Jesus chronologically, okay? If you take that little section, in that little section, Jesus is called Lord 740 times. Now, I don't know if you have a Bible with you, but you should take it and you should look and see how, in comparison, how little, 740 times. Like, that's like on almost every single page of the New Testament, Jesus is Lord. It's part of the good news. It's part of the declaration that the shepherds made on the night that Jesus was born. You remember, we've read it. You've read it. Everyone's read it. Luke 2, it says this. This is what the angel says to the the shepherds in the field. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will be of great joy to all the people. Today, your Savior was born in the town of David. Now, let's just pause there. Oh, man, we love that part. Don't we? Jesus, our Savior, he saves us. He saves me from my brokenness. He saves me from my sin. He saves me from this broken and weary world. And he gives me life and he gives me hope and he gives me eternal life, right? All those things. Jesus, the Savior was born. But then look what it says. It's not just the Savior. It says this. He is Christ, the Lord. So what does it mean for Jesus to not only be your Savior, but to be your Lord? What does it mean for your marriage? Or what does it mean for your singleness? What does it mean for your children and raising children? Or what does it mean for your struggles with infertility? What does it mean for how you spend your money? What does it mean for your career or school? What does it mean for Jesus to be Lord? This word here, let's go back real quick. This word here, Lord, in the Greek, which the, the New Testament was written in, in uh, Greek 2,000 years ago, in Koine Greek, uh, this word here is kurios, okay? We're all going to say that together in just a second. Kurios is the word, and even if you're at home, right, we've said this before, we're not going to know if you don't say it, but Jesus is, and in the end times, everything will be given to account, and you're going to have to explain why you sat there silently and mouthed it in your own living room, okay? Here we go, okay? Uh, kurios is the word. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three, kurios. There you go. It means Lord. One Greek dictionary defined it this way. Kurios means supreme in authority, first in authority, controller, Lord. I think of all of those statements or words, the one that probably makes us the most uncomfortable is that third one, controller. And here's why, let's be honest. Um, Because a lot of you like to be in control and you don't like the idea of having any competition. Whether it's with your driving, with the remote control, with your finances, with your own autonomy and life decisions, with your future, with your plans, so what does it mean to make, to, to submit to Jesus as 
Lord. Now, here's a little semantics, okay? Uh, but it's a little bit of important delineation for us to understand. So a little bit of tangent, go with me on here. Here's the deal. Um, you are never going to make Jesus Lord. You can't. <laughs> You can't make Jesus Lord. God the Father has made Jesus Lord. Jesus is Lord. It's the message of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation literally means the revealing, right? It's like peeking behind the curtains. And what the book of Revelation is showing us is in the end times, it will be revealed that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Nothing you say or do. In fact, Scripture says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. We don't make Jesus Lord, but we either get to choose to respond, to surrender our life to him in his lordship, or to rebel and to push away. You see, part of allowing Jesus to be Lord in your life is simply surrendering your own control to him so here's, here's the theory I got because I know me and I know people and I know us. And here's what I imagine. For most of us, there's about 98.765% of our life. I did a study and that's a confirmed number. I couldn't repeat it to you. But about 98% of our lives, we have no problem making Jesus Lord. Not an issue at all. We are glad and happy to have Jesus as Lord and Savior of almost every part of our life. But here's what I bet for every single one of us, that there is something that when I talk about Jesus being supreme in authority, when Jesus being first in authority, Jesus being Lord of everything, I bet that in your mind, you already know what it is that you struggle to trust him with. I bet that there is something, maybe it's been weeks, months, or even years that you've been wrestling with. Maybe, maybe you're not yet following Jesus, but there's this whole thing that you've been struggling with. Like, do I really believe that he could handle this or he could trust this? Or maybe you've been following him for decades. And maybe what 2020 has done is maybe what 2020 has done is it's exposed in us something that was already, already under the surface. Something that was already there and for years we've made excuses or we've rationalized and this year has exposed that we really don't trust him as Lord in this thing. Here's what I suspect. I suspect that you know exactly what it is that you struggle to trust God as Lord with. And I wanna encourage you, before we go any further, to take a moment, you don't have to say it out loud. You don't, you, I mean, you could write it down, you could put it in your phone. But, but I wanna encourage you, before we go any further, before we talk about the ramifications of Jesus being Lord, for you to give it a name. Now here's the crazy thing. You may know, and for other people, the thing that you say may not seem like a big deal to anybody else, but for you, it's the Mount Everest of your faith in trusting Jesus. Or maybe something really huge. But as we talk about practically what it means for Jesus to be Lord of your life, give it a name. What is that thing What's the thing that, that Jesus has been calling you to? What is that thing that, that if we're preaching through, like we've been going through the book of Matthew, like you're just hoping that we don't come across that subject as we're preaching through the book of Matthew. What is that thing? Because you see, he, here's the deal. There is no such thing as a partially surrendered life. 
There is no such thing as a partially surrendered life. Jesus is talking to a bunch of religious people in Luke 6, and he says this. Uh, in Luke 6, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, right? Why do you, why do you sing songs and celebrate? Why do you uh, affirm me as being righteous and good and, and God? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you do not do what I say? He, here's the truth. You have a choice. You have a choice to either submit yourself to Jesus as Lord or not. There is no in-between. There are things we will wrestle with. There will be hardships that we struggle through. There will be strongholds in our life that we have to fight to tear down. But you have a choice each day whether Jesus will be Lord or not. There is no partially surrendered life. Jesus says these people have been following him around, who've been acclaiming him as the Lord, as the Savior, as the one to come and redeem. And he says, why, why do you call me Lord? And then you don't do what I say. And here's what I know, is I know that for every single one of us, there's something that God's been calling you to do. I know that there's something God's been telling you to trust him with, to, to believe in him about, to, to let go of, to, 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 to hand over to him. I know that there is something and I wonder today if Jesus was here, if the words he'd say to you would be much that he said 2,000 years ago. Why do you call me Lord, stand and sing songs in your car when just the right song comes on, worship and celebrate, and you are unwilling to do the things I call you to do? Some of us want to believe that he's our Savior and believe that he's Lord, but we don't trust him we don't trust him in really anything or we don't trust him with our, our finances that, we, that we, wanna, we wanna believe that God's our provider and we might even say, like all God's provided for, look at all the blessings, look at the way God's provided for us, even in this year that God's continued to provide us, but when God calls us to be generous with what he's provided us to with, to be rationally generous, to live open-handed, to trust and believe that it's all his, to, to give, maybe even to tithe 10%. Maybe we want to trust Jesus with our salvation, but when it comes to our kids, we lie in bed at night and worry. Maybe we want to trust Jesus with our marriage, but we don't want to actually have to do anything different in the way we treat our spouse. Maybe we want to give Jesus our Sunday, and maybe even, maybe we want to give Jesus like Monday through Friday, but when it comes to Friday night or Saturday night or late at night alone in front of a screen, what is it for you? Maybe you want to trust Jesus as Lord, as your great Savior, as the one who forgives and redeems all things, and yet he's been calling you to forgive that one person. What is it? Because see, there is no partially surrendered life because there is no part-time Lord and there are no part-time followers of Jesus. So what does it look like to live a fully surrendered life. Well, Paul, he, he wrote much of the New Testament. He writes to a church at Rome, and he says this towards the end of the book in Romans 14. 
He says, for we do not live for ourselves. This is, this is the big part of it, right? This is what it looks like for Jesus to be Lord. We don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. And then, and then look at this. So whether we live or die, I love how this translation puts it, we belong to the Lord. Whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Um, I've got this uh, ring here. It's, um, it's, it's not metal. It's, it's some sort of oil, oil derivative. It's some sort of plastic, right? Um, I, I had a metal one that I used to wear. In fact, I've had three metal wedding rings. Um, and then I think my wife got tired of replacing them when I'd lose them. And so now I get the $3 Amazon version because I can't have nice things. My wife, she, uh, she's had one for 11 and a half years that she's worn, and, uh, you know, hopefully she wears the exact same one that we don't have to replace it because <laughs> it was the most a 23-year-old intern could afford. Like, it was all I owned to buy that, that for her. And she wears that wedding ring, and, and it tells everybody that she belongs to someone in the same way that this tells everyone that I belong to someone. Now, let me ask you this. Um, her ring that she wears, how much did it cost her to buy that ring? You can take a guess. Oh, Aaron, thank you. Zero. Zero. It cost her zero dollars. Now, now, here's the deal. It cost me everything and more that I owned to buy her that wedding ring. But it cost her Zero. But, but what did it cost her on July 11, 2009, when she stood in a stage in Ozark, Missouri, and committed her life to me? Everything. Now, some of you are doing the math and think, that's a really bad exchange rate. Because <laughs> she has to live with me. But you see, the invitation of Jesus is the exact same. It, it, salvation costs you Nothing. God paid every bit of it, completely, fully. There is nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn his approval or his satisfaction or his love. He is completely and fully in love with you in, in every way possible that he can. And he paid the full and complete cost so that you could become a child of God. Now, now, to receive that, what will it cost you? It will cost you everything. It will cost you everything. That for Jesus to be Lord means that everything that you are and everything that you own and everything that you see as yourself and your identity belongs to the Lord. Belongs to the Lord. But maybe more importantly than what is it that we need to trust Jesus with, I begin to ask the question, why is it that we struggle to trust him? Because you see, here's the deal. Like we've read the stories and we know the stories and we've heard other people's stories and we've seen in ourselves in our own lives that God is faithful and he's good. I mean, we just sang the song. This is my confidence that you haven't failed me. That you've been faithful throughout the years, throughout generations, from generation to generation. That the appearing of Jesus that we celebrate in Christmas was the fulfillment of hundreds of years of prophecy. Some of them almost a thousand years before Jesus was born. That God is faithful and good in all things. 
So why is it that we struggle to trust him? Why is it? Why is that one thing? You know what it is. That one thing you've been wrestling with, that one thing that you've been trying to make excuses about, that one thing you've been trying to justify yourself and convince yourself it's not a big deal, but God's been calling you to trust him in this thing. What is that one thing and why is it hard for us to trust him? I came across an explanation in a bit of a weird spot in Proverbs 3. Look at Proverbs 3 with me. It says this. You may be familiar with this pretty well-known passage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You see, here's the thing that you, you don't see in the English, right? That this, is, this is a great translation. This is good. This is, this is what, in context, this is everything that this means right here. But there's something, because we're reading the English, that we don't, we miss the illusions that are going on in the original language. I mean, we have illusions that happen in English, but we speak English, so we're, we're familiar and used to that. But we miss it when it's written in Hebrew, which is written here. And, and the illusion is right here. In all your ways, this word right here, acknowledge, right? Some translations put trust. Uh, the, the, the word here in Hebrew is the word yada. Yada. It's, it's kind of like Yoda, but it begins with an A, okay? So yada. We're all going to say it together. Yada is the word. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Yada, right? It's an easy word. It's a fun word too because the D is kind of a little bit of aggressive. There's certain words in Hebrew that are just like fun to say, right? Yada. He, here's the thing. The, the, the first time that that word appears, you know the first time it appears in the Hebrew text? It begins in this way. It says, Adam yadad his wife. Adam knew his wife. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I don't know if online you guys get it, but in the room, I think they're a little lost here. Adam knew his wife. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, Adam knew his wife. That's the word here. In all your ways, yadah him, know him, trust him, see him, experience him. In all your ways, know him, and he will make your path straight. And it occurred to me, the reason that we struggle to trust Jesus in certain areas of our life is because we don't yet know him as Lord in those areas. Because we don't yet know him to be faithful in those areas. Because, ironically, because we've refused to trust him with those things. Matthew says this in Matthew 7, verse 23. Verse 21 and then the 23, it says this. Then I will tell them, Jesus is talking to a group of religious leaders. Um, oh, sorry, go back to the first one, Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That sounds like Luke 6, like we just read earlier, right? And then it says this in verse 22, goes on, it says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Let's just pause there. Like, that's amazing stuff. Can we agree? 
That if someone prophesies in Jesus' name, if someone casts out demons, if someone heals someone in Jesus' name, here's the deal. I might stand before Jesus, right? And, and, and well, I will eventually, right? I'll stand before Jesus. And if that person stand next to me and they're like, I cast out demons and I perform miracles, I'm going to look at him and go, uh, I might not make it, but that person's in, Right? If they're performing, have you ever seen anyone cast out demons and perform miracles in Jesus' name, right? That's amazing things, but look at what Jesus says in verse 23. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never yadod you. You see, what it means to make Jesus Lord isn't simply about obedience. It's not simply about doing what he tells us to do. It is clearly a part of that. But part of making Jesus Lord is that we might know him in ways that cannot be expressed in words. That we would know his provision, that we would know his grace, that we would know his peace, that we would know his joy, that we would know his kindness, that we would know his sufficiency in all things in a way that can't simply be articulated in words. You see, God's plan, God's desire has always been for relationship. And so this morning, if you find yourself feeling a little disconnected and distant, if you feel a little apathy or a little cold-heartedness or a little uh, couldn't care, uh, can't really get myself excited about this following Jesus stuff, I'd ask you, what is it? What is that thing that you're holding on to? What is that thing that you've refused to trust him with? What is that thing that, that you won't believe that he'll be good with, that you believe? What is that thing that you believe you can handle better than he can? Because, see, the invitation of God is that you might know him, that you might know him in all ways, and the only way that you do, the only way you know the depth of his goodness and his kindness, the only way that you know joy and life to the fullest is to trust him, that you might know him in a way that can only be experienced, that can only be lived, that can only be yadad. So what is it? What is it this morning that God is calling you to let go of, to trust him? Because on the other side of that thing is life, is joy, is freedom, is peace, is hope, is restoration, is goodness, is God himself.